0: The following is a paid program. It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877 904 1080 now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation. Here's the voice of the wildcats tom leach hello everybody welcome in it is our thursday edition of the leach report served up by wild eggs of lexington and we remind everybody to uh reach out if you can and uh, order a takeout meal uh, at times during this period when we can't get out and go out for meals and other things so you can at least you The uh, restaurants, one area you can help by uh, an occasional carryout. So uh, you can give uh, Wild Eggs a call right after or during the show and then go uh, pick up a a great uh, omelet or uh, uh, pancakes, whatever it might be. Coming up on the show today, we'll talk with Mike Pratt. Uh, We will talk with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. And we're going to get right to the Wildcat news of the day. It is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. It's a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. And uh, the breaking news is a little bit of good news for Emmanuel quickly. More good news, I guess. You uh, can see this on a tweet from Kyle Tucker at TheAthletic.com, who joins us on Mondays here on the show. Uh, their writers did their voting for the national awards, and Emmanuel was named a third team All American. Uh, as was Louisville's Jordan Wara, in the voting by the writers for The Athletic. The player of the year is Obi Toppin, by their vote, from Dayton, and his coach, Anthony Grant, was named Coach of the Year. And can't argue with either one of those choices. Those are actually the two that uh, I voted for in the National Basketball Writers Association voting. So uh, glad for Emmanuel to get a little more national recognition as uh, an All-American from The Athletic. Also, uh, news of uh, another example of the coronavirus hitting close to home for the Big Blue Nation. Uh, KSR has a story about Monsell Allen being diagnosed with the coronavirus. You remember Monsell from the Rich Brooks era. He was the successor to John Connor as that uh, blocking fullback um, and was tremendous. Good pass catcher out of the backfield, too. Great on special teams. Um, He had a, a short neck, so he got the the nickname The turtle' from his teammates and coaches and so monsell turtle allen uh is battling the coronavirus according to the stories coming out of it, so that's good to hear uh, but he says definitely that uh, we should all take this very seriously in, t- in terms of how it uh, can hit you if uh, you are unfortunate enough to get it so uh, just stay safe, everybody, and try to uh, uh, avoid it as best you can. Uh, CBS report from John and says the NCAA is unlikely to grant an extra year of eligibility to winter sports athletes. Doesn't come as a surprise. It would have uh, been uh, very difficult uh, logistically uh, to, to pull it off. Um, hopefully, down the road, Nate Sistine is the guy that it uh, impacted for Kentucky, uh, the only uh, senior on the team. And. Uh, he I'm guessing will go off to play in uh Europe and uh have a uh, a career there but at some point when he's done playing basketball I think it'd be great if he came back uh for a, it'd be great to have him back as a season in some kind of you know graduate assistant role manager etc where uh, he might get to be a part of that NCAA tournament experience as a Kentucky Wildcat um one other note from uh, Kyle at the Athletic. He had a story yesterday in which he caught up to Emmanuel Quickly's mom, and uh, she said that Emmanuel is at least considering a return to Kentucky. One of these days, it's going to happen. Somebody's going to surprise us with uh, a decision. Um, hadn't uh, hadn't happened yet, but uh, one of these days, somebody uh, will say they want to have another year of this and. Uh, Maybe, who knows? Maybe it'll be manual. I doubt it, but we'll see. Frank Bufano, been re- uh, promoted from Director of Football Ops for Mark Stoops to an assistant coaching role. It uh, will be the role that Dean Hood occupied coaching the safeties. And uh, congrats to Frank. I think it's a a great choice. He's had coaching experience before uh, up at uh, Youngstown State, and then he actually was coaching through spring ball as long as it was going on in an on-field coaching role while they were looking to fill the position. So uh, I guess they liked what they saw out of Frank, not surprisingly, and uh, happy for him that he gets promoted into this role. K-H-S-A-A yesterday was a little confusion about an announcement regarding the Sweet 16s. They had to announce a, a cancellation, use the word cancellation, I think, to be able to get for folks to get their refunds. But they are still hoping that they could play the tournaments. So I think that's great. If they could uh, make that happen sometime in June, even if it's without crowds, where you could finish up the Girls' Sweet 16 and play out the Boys' Sweet 16. I know sports fans would love it. Even if you couldn't attend, you could watch and listen. And it would be, uh, be great even for those athletes, obviously. Uh, and, the, and the communities to have things to rally around uh, would be uh, fantastic. So hopefully... Uh, That could still happen. Kentucky finishes number eight in the final Associated Press college basketball poll of the season. And tonight is our first installment of the Kentucky Classics rebroadcast over the next three weeks in slots where you'd normally have heard NCAA tournament games. You'll hear rebroadcasts of Kentucky games with a pregame show. So tonight's coverage will start at 7 Eastern time. We'll have a rebroadcast of the 2012 Final Four matchup between Kentucky and Louisville. On our pregame show, I'll be talking with uh, Mike Pratt and also with Oscar Combs. And uh, Oscar's got uh, some great stories uh, related to that game that he'll share with us on the pregame show tonight. Uh, and Mike Pratt's going to join us when we come right back for his regular Thursday segment here on the Leach Report. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back into our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. As we go to the KentuckyHimporks.com hotline, bring on Mike Pratt to uh, talk a little bit about, uh, we'll start with the uh, rebroadcast tonight. Uh, you and I uh, taped an interview yesterday that will air on the pregame show uh, tonight uh, about uh, this game, so we won't go too deep into the, the details of the game. But uh, it was quite a week because uh, for all the, the talk about the 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 Duke Carolina rivalry and all the the coverage that it gets. I don't think there's any rivalry uh, better than Kentucky-Louisville. And then this was the the first time in a a rivalry where you had the the two teams actually meet in a Final Four. So it was something that uh, had never been seen before in um, the NCAA tournament. And that Saturday down there in New Orleans with the the French quarter just packed with the red and blue was crazy, wasn't it?
1: It was, it, it was, and the whole week leading up to it, Tom. You know, I mean, in Louisville Lexington, there was so much conversation, and some of it uh, bitter. Okay, there's there's haters out there on both sides, <laughs> but so much conversation about the game, and so many people talking about the game uh, from different angles. That it was very interesting. And then when you got to New Orleans, and you, uh, when we were staying at that hotel, it was just right off Bourbon and uh the people were everywhere i mean wearing their red wearing their blue chanting hollering at each other across the street i mean it was wild it was wild
0: yeah the uh the team hotel everybody kind of found out where that was and it the uh lobbies were just packed and so they had uh, security to, to give the the players the, their space so that you couldn't get up onto the the floor where uh, the players and, and coaches were and um, uh, there was yeah, extra security there and I, I remember you, know, you there was a one elevator that would would take you up to those floors and so I uh, I get on the elevator and the only other person I glance over the only other person in the elevator Randall Cobb <laughs> How about that? How about that? Uh, it was, uh, you know, I think that was a time when everybody in the in the Big Blue Nation sensed it was going to, to happen, that uh, Kentucky had certainly a team that was uh, good enough to have won it in 2010 in Cal's first year, and they got upset by West Virginia. And then in the second year, it was a, a bit of a surprise to get to the Final Four, uh, thanks to an upset of Ohio State that'll be the, the second installment of the Kentucky Classic Series coming up on Saturday afternoon, so that was an, an unexpected uh, Final Four trip, and that team was good enough to have won the title they had a shot in the air that uh, would have beaten UConn and then they would have played Butler for the title but in 2012 I think uh, everybody knew uh, from early on really from that game in December that Kentucky and Carolina we thought were were clearly the best two teams and then uh, Carolina had one of their key players that got injured and so they had gotten uh, knocked off on the way to the final four and so I think everybody the big blue nation sensed it was very possible to get that national championship for the first time since 98. But when you're the the favorite and expected to do it, it makes you a little uneasy too.
1: And uh, Kentucky had knocked off Carolina in December. Remember Mm -hmm. that time on the block by A.D.? And that would have been a rematch of that ball game. That was one hell of a basketball game that we had there at Ruck. I mean, two really, really good teams and big plays made by both people. And A.D. makes the biggest play last in Kentucky wins, but you go back to both those um, years you talked about. If Jody Meeks comes back in 10 for Calipari's first year, they win it. I mean, this guy was machine shooting the ball. You know that. I know that. Fans know it. And you need a machine when you go, oh, for the first half, right? Yep. (laughs) You need that machine. And the second year, if Brandon Knight doesn't make one of the most spectacular plays uh, against Princeton, right? Yes. In the first game, he got, does a scoop shot, and, he, and I'll save the story for later, but he makes that scoop shot, Kentucky wins. If he doesn't do exactly what he did, how he did it, um, Kentucky doesn't. They get knocked out in the first game, and, uh, and then everybody's complaining. So, I mean, that's how fine a line it is uh, between Uh, Moving forward in the NCAA, even with really good teams and really good talent, it it gets down to the little things, and you and I have talked about that on the show. I mean, it's uh, details, details and luck to help you advance.
0: Talk with Mike Pratt uh, on Twitter. It's at Mike Pratt 22. He joins us on Thursdays, it's presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. You can check them out at Boone'sButcherShop.com. 21 past the top of the hour. We'll take a break, come back, and continue our chat. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. Coming up a little later, it is the Leech Report Radio Network, and we are served up by Wild Eggs. I'm Lexi. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. Mike Pratt with us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline here on the Leach Report. Um, everything going well for your household, I assume,
1: right, for you and Marshall? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been walking every morning with my buddy down at uh, Tom Sawyer Park here in Louisville, and there's not a lot of people out, but we have a good time. Get a good walk in every morning, a lot of stretching, and and then I've got some books I'm reading, and uh, I think I'm going to break out my collection of Clint Eastwood movies. Tom, <laughs> what's your favorite? Oh man, um, some of the early spaghetti westerns, uh, Fistful of Dollars, when he uh, before he got started and, and uh, into the Police mode. But, you know, I, I have a couple of them. I like, um, uh, what's the one about the car, the guy in Detroit? Um, Gran Torino? Gran Torino. I like that. And I like Mule, too. I like all this stuff. He can, in my mind, for my taste, he can't do anything wrong. But those early spaghetti westerns, I'll tell you a great story about that. Back in the day, we were allowed, when I got there, they gave us movie passes to go downtown to the movies. So, we would walk down there, or pilot in a car, and go down and see a movie. Okay, and get in for free. Now, look, the movies were only two bucks or two fifty, but free's free, right? So, yeah, <laughs> we would we'd go down there and watch the. That's when Clint Eastwood came with his first, uh couple movies, and we'd watch them over and over again on a Saturday or Sunday. Not a whole lot to do. So then the next year, the NCAA decided that you couldn't do those things anymore. They took them away, and we all were crying. I mean, all crime. But that's when I first saw my first Eastwood movie, Fistful of Dollars, I believe it was. And um, and that was downtown there in Lexington.
0: We used to do a show on the UK network 20 years ago, maybe, called uh, Bench Talk. It was a little daily two-minute feature that all the stations along the network would run. And uh, this was before I was was doing games, even. I would uh, tape. A bunch of these at a time with uh, the coaches, football and basketball coaches, and it would be things outside of, of X's and O's and talking about the game. So it would be, uh, but it might be something like you know who was your greatest influence as a coach. But it also might be something as what was your what's your favorite movie? I remember Tubby uh, Smith. His uh, one of his favorites was the outlaw Josie Wales, the Clint Eastwood. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let, let me ask you this. Uh, you uh, and I were talking yesterday, and um, people are locked up in their houses for a lot more time now. Uh, so they're you know, going on their, their services to, to get involved in uh, shows that uh, maybe they hadn't gotten a chance to to check out. So you have a couple that you
1: like that you're following right now. Oh, I do. On Prime Video, there's one called Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton, which I, I really, really enjoyed. I, I like him, too. I think he's a really good character actor. And the other one I just finished is Sneaky Pete, and uh, that, it's three seasons now, and uh, it's got a lot of twists and turns and a lot of things going on. It, it's quite interesting. I mean, it's it's uh, a good series. Both I would recommend watching.
2: A little
0: back to a little basketball. Uh, the Kyle Tucker had a story yesterday with. Uh, emmanuel quickly's mom and which she at least offered the the possibility that emmanuel would would look at uh coming back uh what were you hearing from your nba connections as far as uh emmanuel and and what they were thinking of him with his big season
1: well he caught their attention make no mistake about it okay he he did catch their attention and particularly uh, with his ability to shoot in the range that he had they really liked that now He's a, he's not a prototype size of a two guard and not really a one. He's, he's more of a combo at 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, so, you know, they, they're in the height and wingspan, obviously. And they also said maybe he needs to fill out. That's what the G League's for. He needs to get stronger. But, boy, he caught their attention, and they liked they went, another thing they liked, the way he could create some things off the bounces that they had not seen last year. Or even early in this year, they liked what he was doing off the bounce. Um, uh, you know, they all they all think he'll play in the league uh, sometime here, depending on his development. If he with comes, uh, if he goes yeah. out, but uh, most of them would also tell you he needs to stay another year. But that's another story for another day, right?
0: <laughs> right. With EJ, um, could you see him having a third year like Nick Richards' third year played out?
1: I could. I could. Um, I, I really – there wasn't much conversation at all about EJ among the guys I talked to about EJ. So, yeah, I think he could. You know, the, the guys have done well who have stayed around. They really have. And That's EJ true. needs to consider that. It's uh, – you know, you want to go someplace where they think, whoever it is, they think you can be developed into a player. Most guys are not ready to be major contributors or contributors um, right right away as a rookie. Now some like Tyler surprised everybody. Bam surprised everybody. But for every Tyler and Bam, I mean Carl Anthony Towns, those guys are are different. But Tyler and Bam were late in the lottery. Boy, they really they really blossomed in a plate. But you have to be willing to work hard if you're drafted. Particularly second round free agent late in the first, you got to work hard. You, you really have to work hard on your craft, and sometimes that's not something these guys want to hear. They want the yeah. NBA life, and you know, guys want to say they played in the NBA, and families do too. But it's hard work. Mike, I mean, got to it, run. Thank work. you much, at okay, Mike Pratt
0: twenty two. We'll talk to you next week. Stay safe. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with
1: Matt Jones.
0: We are back and to our Thursday edition of the Leach Report, and we go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. Uh, you had a you have a big family, Justin. Several kids, and uh, everybody in the house was a little sick. I think last week. Is everybody doing better?
2: Yeah, yeah. We, when we get something, we don't all get it at once. We pass it around like four days, four days for everybody, and so about a month later, we're all we're all fine, just in time to prepare for our current national health crisis. So that's
0: yeah. Fun. Well, let's talk a little uh, football. We're looking for uh, diversions now on shows like this. Uh, the good thing is, we're not so much a, a sports show as we are a wildcat show. Uh, Mark Story from the Herald Leader called yesterday to, I think he was talking to some folks that host uh, shows, sports shows, but as I told him, this is more of a wildcat show. And so you can, uh, we're used to talking uh, and finding things to talk about when there are not games going on. And there seems to, Week by week, always uh, be some news to to talk about when you join us, and uh, a couple of new additions to Mark Stoops' uh, football staff. One as a quality control assistant, and uh, one as the new safeties coach. What are your take on those hires?
2: Yeah, well, as far as the quality control assistant, bringing in somebody with you know NFL defensive coordinator experience from the Washington Redskins. I know things didn't go there like he had hoped, but if you just read stories on him over the past year, you can tell that people who really know football felt like the problems went deeper than him, and, and they have a lot of respect for him in the coaching fraternity, and that's kind of something Alabama has done, you know, with the growth of these shadow staff, support staffs. Uh, when you have an opportunity to bring on a great football mind with a track record, you know you might only be getting him for one or two years before the next bounce back into more of a spotlight um, public position. Um, that's the kind of thing that can really make you better and smarter uh, on the inside. Um, and as far as Frank uh, Buffato uh, being elevated to safety's coach position, he's really grinded behind the scenes. Everybody I've talked to said this is long overdue. He deserves this. Mark Stoops said that in his public comments yesterday. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is he's already proven himself to be a really good recruiter. When John Schlarman was going through some of the, some of the more rigorous parts of his treatment, he got a, a waiver to go out on the road and recruit some. And he kind of proved, proved himself there, and I think he, he impressed some people, and he's certainly recruited on campus, and so they know what they're getting with him.
0: That's a good point about the recruiting. Um, as far as the, the quality control assistance, it's a phrase that has uh, come into our lexicon in the last few years. Uh, what, are, uh, what makes up the tasks of uh, somebody in that kind of role for college football these days?
2: Well, college football teams are massive operations, like 85 scholarship players, 100 players. You're dealing with 400 players in any given recruiting class that you're looking at. So basically all the roles um, other than an on-field coaching position, on-field coaching, off-campus recruiting don't take place, but you're involved in the recruiting Operation, you're involved when a kid comes on campus. You're you're helping to escort him around and, and sell the program, act as a representative of the program. Um, you're sitting in on staff meetings. You're, you're you're learning for your own career's sake, but you're you know contributing research and 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 helping to form scheme and scout. And uh, it's basically an aid to the assistant, and they they have a have a big role that's becoming even bigger as as more of those guys are allowed to be hired.
0: I'm with Justin Rowland from catsillustrated.com. It's at Rowland Rivals on Twitter. Um, as uh, Kentucky, at, at some point yesterday, Greg Sankey had a, a news conference and talked about the, the cancellation of spring sports and things, and um, that they'll look at uh, trying to give teams uh, some uh, ability to uh, get make up for the practices that they missed in the spring, but there's just, you know, there's a lot left to play out before we know what that's going to look like, uh, because uh, sports will return, but uh, it may be, uh, you know, gradual. And and the, some of the things we were thought we were headed toward, games without fans, might be how they come back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hate to even speculate, but you know, having watched some documentaries on on some measures, some places that that have shown what it's taken to flatten the curve and and preparing for potential waves of different outbreaks that could span over a long period of time. We just don't know. And, you know, I listened on a teleconference with Boston College's new head coach, Jeff Halfley, yesterday, and he was, he was asked some pretty, some pretty strong questions. And I think he was surprised by the questions. Like, what if you find out on August 1st that there's going to be a season? Could you get a team ready on that short notice? And he was kind of taken aback. But that's the reality. Those are some of the questions we're going to be facing. And, you know, he, he suggested maybe there, there could be like a three- or four-day kind of NFL-style mini camp over the summer, anything, to, to, to give coaches a chance to, to get acclimated, to bond with the team. Um, just think, we, we don't know. It's, coaches are going to be trying to stay connected with their teams with video conferencing and video chats and Skype and, and whatever they can. Um, guys don't have access to gyms right now, so it's on them for nutrition and for working out at home and you know, we're just in uncharted waters right now.
0: Yeah, and that's that's been a big part of Mark Stoops' operation at Kentucky is the in the player development area is uh, Coach Edmond and Coach Hill and, and the strength training and what they do with nu- nutrition and um, for guys like a like a Josh Allen, all of that has you know works together in uh, helping the player. And so uh, you got to figure it's, whatever they're going to be able to do, it's it's not going to be. As good as uh, it would be under normal circumstances, but everybody's going through the same thing.
2: Everybody is. That's right. And Kentucky, you know, we're just totally speculating here, but let's say let's say there is a season. Um, a- there's not as much preparation time, not as much time with gyms and with strength staffs on campus. you got to figure the, the deeper your team, the better you're going to be, especially early in the season. Kentucky figures to have some depth next season, but we're going way down, down the line right now, and it's just a challenge right now. Coaches are learning and as unsure of what's going to happen next as we are.
0: Very true. Talk with Justin Rowland on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We'll take a break. Come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for
1: more news and views on the cats.
0: Chat with Justin Rowland on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. You can read him at CatsIllustrated.com and the rest of the team. And one thing that you guys do from time to time justin at the site is get your uh, various writers together for a roundtable discussion and uh, the most recent one that is up is about the most impressive game of this past kentucky basketball season and uh, david sisk uh, who uh, does a great job is on with us from time to time Uh, you and uh, coach sisk both didn't have a strong opinion on the most single impressive game right
2: that's right. You know, it's a, it's a really fascinating team because Calipari, you know, finally wins a Coach of the Year award because I think there's a perception that the team improved a ton over the season and maybe even overachieved compared to maybe some teams out there, but they never really totally hit their stride. You know, there were stretches of 10, 15 minutes where they played at an extremely high level, but then they either lost focus or kind of took their foot off the gas. We never really saw 40 minutes of domination like you've seen with some other Kentucky teams, at the same time, um, I think Jeff Jeff Drummond and Travis Graf would pick either Louisville or Texas Tech. Certainly, really good performances. I thought the, the comeback against Florida was probably the memorable occasion, given the circumstances of Ashton Hagen's out, the way Florida was playing, Richards hadn't done anything in the first half, Manuel quickly was in foul trouble. That they were able to storm back and went on the road like that after a really disheartening loss to Tennessee. That's probably the win that, that's going to stick with me.
0: You know, the uh, frustrating thing, I'm sure, for a Kentucky fan in regard to the, the what we're talking about right here is that with the way they had to come back against Florida without Hagens, with Quickly in foul trouble, with Richards getting back to, to his best form, with uh, Brooks and Juzang making uh, the big plays that they made down the stretch, that it's certainly easy to, to to tell yourself that that complete game that you talked about not having seen all season was perhaps coming in the tournaments.
2: Yeah, yeah, just just the fact that that Tennessee loss happened and it didn't deter them, and, and they just bounced right back. Um, that was a good sign. The fact that hey, they quickly had been so clutch late in games is a great sign. The fact that Richards seemed to be rounding back into that highest peak level form um, was happening at the right time. Even seeing Ashton Hagen's cheering for his team on video chat during social media when there were some questions about that situation, just a lot of things um, in the right direction. Certainly an open field, I wouldn't have – you, you take the field for sure um, when, when you're picking the tournament. But Kentucky w- was probably one of those handful of teams that, that everybody would be watching closely.
0: Uh, one of the, the things that uh, you're doing on on the site and, and via the, the Twitter feeds uh, is uh, – coach sisk breaking down some past big games uh because we're getting ready to do this rebroadcast of the kentucky ohio state game on saturday afternoon on the uk network and he did some great analysis looking back at uh that upset of ohio state and how important deandre liggins was to that game so i would encourage folks to follow not only you but coach sisk
2: oh he does phenomenal work i mean he through the eyes of a coach and he puts a lot of a lot of sweat into those breakdowns and somebody who hasn't followed kentucky as closely as us for his entire life it's kind of a new fresh perspective on it almost like from an outsider but uh yeah that that team with knight they ran a beautiful offense when they were clicking And that game against ohio state what a weekend to beat the number one oh, team in yeah. ohio state and then north carolina to get to the first final four in what 13 years i mean that's that's got to be one of the best weekends in uk history in modern times at least
0: justin thank you for the time we'll catch up next week thanks a lot this is Justin Roland, catsillustrated.com. We'll get to a quick break. Ken Spencer is going to join us when we come right back. We'll get a little take from him on uh, Kentucky-Louisville in 2012, uh, which is the subject of our first Kentucky Classics rebroadcast coming up tonight on the UK Network on many of these stations. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report Radio Network, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Final segment of our show, or next to last segment of our show for this uh, Thursday, I should say, as we um, get into, no, this is the final segment, too much going on, uh, back to the Kentucky com online to bring on Kent Spencer from WHAS-TV um, to, uh, we'll start, Kent, we're asking uh, guests, we are talking Mike Pratt about this earlier, uh, what about uh, a uh, a movie you're, you're planning to watch or have watched during this time or a tv series you're getting into during all this extra time at home any tips for us
3: yeah so um amazon i don't know for those out there who have like the amazon subscription um a couple series that i absolutely love one's called the boys um it's about if if superheroes were real and they weren't really nice people um, that's actually really, really good. Um, the Jack Ryan, um, episode a, or seasons one that. and two are fantastic. Yes, they are. And then hunt and then hunters with Al Pacino. Um, we were, you know, this, this past weekend kind of hold up a little bit. So, uh, the wife and I, I mean, we watched a ton of those and it is fantastic, Tom. I, that, that's what I recommend.
0: Okay. Uh, our family, uh, started the Mandalorian last night. We're catching up on that. So, um, what about, let's, we're doing these rebroadcasts in the UK network of uh, classic Kentucky games, and the one that's coming up tonight in what might have been Kentucky's opening night in the NCAA tournament is the 2012 Final Four matchup between Kentucky and Louisville. Were you, were you still working in Lexington at that time?
3: No, I was already, I was already in Louisville, and, and I was down in New Orleans for the, for the game
0: perfect i I wasn't sure uh where you were at the time so that's even better to give us a perspective of what that was like because it was really unprecedented in the final four having two rivals i mean it's never happened for duke and carolina uh the closest we got maybe was duke and, and maryland uh met in a national semifinal one time as acc rivals but that's not to the level of you know kentucky louisville so uh what was what was that week like uh for you
3: well, it was. I thought it was really, really cool. And I and I'll say this: the best sporting event I've ever covered in my career, I always thought was the 2008 Ryder Cup at Valhalla. Um, that was the best sporting event I've ever covered. The most proud I've ever been to be at a Kentucky a Kentuckian at a sporting event was in the Superdome that night when the national anthem is played. I had I, and I, I still get them to this day when I think about it because I'm getting them right now. I had goosebumps. Because everybody's standing up, and you look around, and everybody – I mean, it was all Kentucky and Louisville that night. And then, you know, yeah, Ohio State and Kansas was also in that Final Four. But this was a bluegrass Final Four. It didn't matter – you know, the other two were just window dressing on this. Um, this was all about, you know, Louisville and Kentucky. And I just thought, like, I'm like looking around, I'm like, this is amazing. This is what it's all about.
0: Could have happened in uh, '86 if LSU had not upset Kentucky. Uh, Should have been for the national championship in '75 if uh, UCLA didn't get a last-second bucket to beat Louisville. So it was really cool to see it finally happen.
3: Yeah, and I I remember because um, you know I was with Kentucky throughout the, the tournament that year in the SEC tournament and then the NCAA tournament, kind of going through. And I remember being in the S, you know, down in New Orleans once again, and after the championship game of the SEC tournament. And I remember seeing um, Anthony Davis was was talking after that, and and you know everybody you know knows all about that team. And I got done talking to, in an interview with Anthony Davis in the locker room, and I looked at I, I looked around, and there was a couple of reporters, and, and um, just kind of everybody kind of looked at each other and said, "Yeah, they're not going to lose another game." Like it was you you could just tell in his eyes that it was. It was it was a done it was a done deal. But that was that was an incredible game, um, you know that night in, in New Orleans. Kentucky ended up getting the best of the cards and, and moving on to the championship game. But um, I just thought, you know, it was such a well played game, um, and just everything involved. I thought it was just really cool.
0: And I was talking with Mike Pratt about this earlier on the show. And in 2010, it was you know Cal's first year, and so that. Level of uh, you know, excitement of being back at the top was uh, was great for BBN, and so uh, I think everybody thought they had a great shot at the final four, but uh, or at the championship. But it wasn't like it was a given. Twenty eleven was a surprise, really, to get to the final four. Twenty twelve, by the time they got to New Orleans, uh, you know, the, I think the, certainly for Big Blue fans, there was the expectation that it was it was finally going to happen for the first time since ninety eight.
3: Yeah, you're 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 awfully right, and and the one thing that 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 team had, it had another gear, you know, like you know they never really I didn't I don't think that team ever really played tight, but at times you know there especially in that run because I mean obviously in that run you're you're playing against the best of the best of, of the season of that year, and there were some games where where you know I thought you know teams were able to kind of maybe hang in a little bit, but then they would drop the hammer like. I remember, you know, the, the beginning of that Indiana game in the in the Sweet 16, you know, Kentucky gets out to a double-digit lead, and that was a fantastic game. I mean, it was up and down, but once Kentucky kind of got that double-digit lead, they kind of maintained that. You know, the Baylor game in the Elite Eight, Kentucky just drops the hammer on them from the, from the opening, they make a wide margin, and, and then they just kind of cruise in the, in the second half of that game. But, you know, late in that game, you know, Louisville ties it up, I mean, it's a really, really good game. It, you know, it's it, it's kind of nip and tuck there for a little bit. Louisville ties it up, and then it almost felt like, boom, there was a hammer, and then all of a sudden Kentucky makes the run, and then it was it was over from from there. I mean, it was this – that team just had another gear, and they had so many different guys that, that could provide that for them.
0: Ken Spencer, WHAS-TV, thank you for the time, sir.
3: All right, thank you, buddy.
0: Appreciate it it's uh, Kent Spencer uh, joining us here on the leach report um, want to uh, remind you guys to do carry out whenever you can uh, when it uh, when your budget permits it uh, a lot of local restaurants are going to struggle at this time when we're not uh, supposed to be going out to eat so uh, make a, a carryout order uh, a lot of places will bring it out to the curb for you when you pull up or they'll deliver uh, and that goes for one of our uh, sponsors here in the Lexington market that I neglected to mention yesterday and that's Giuseppe so you can give them a call out on Nicholasville Road in Lexington for uh, carryout or delivery um, and uh, help uh, just look for ways to help, however you can, during this time. Our Donato slice of Wildcat history: this day in 19, uh, or this day in uh, 2011. Kentucky beat West Virginia 71 63 down in Tampa. They were down eight at the half, and Brandon Knight uh, went for 30 in this game, led Kentucky back to the win. And then the next gets that set up the game against Ohio State up in Newark. That will be the second of our Kentucky Classics rebroadcast coming up on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I caught up to Josh Harrelson last night over in Japan for an interview for our pregame show. We'll talk a little bit about that on tomorrow's show here on the Leech Report. Uh, also, a couple of birthdays today. Uh, Marty more happy birthday! To the outstanding linebacker from Kentucky and UK basketball legend Bill Spivey was born on this day. Have a great day, everybody! We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks on the for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKy.com whenever you miss a show, and be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If
3: you have a question for Tom, email it to LeechReport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on.